Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. We're involved in this summer series right now based on my book, Seasons of a Leader's Life. I really enjoyed writing that book. It was a labor of love that really took me a few years. I was fascinated by the concept of there being a character in scripture who lived through the three primary phases or stages of a leader's life. In the gospels, he was a learner. In Acts, he was the leader. And in his epistles, first and second Peter, he wrote his legacy for the church. And so I see in these three seasons, learner, leader, and legacy lever, I see in these three seasons sort of a panorama of what it means to be in leadership over a lifetime. That's one reason I really enjoyed writing that book, was to help me conceptualize of those ideas and bring them together not only for myself, but maybe for others that the book has helped. So for the summer, I'm not doing a book review or trying to do a book overview. I'm simply lifting out some of those lessons that Peter learned while he was leading and trying to communicate those lessons to you in a fresh way so that you can make application and become an even more effective ministry leader today. Today, I want to talk about a very important issue that Peter learned in a profound way from Jesus and that every leader must learn to do well, and that is the power of forgiving others. Now, Peter, in Matthew chapter 18, is uh, having an encounter with Jesus, a conversation, if you will. And it comes right after a very well-known passage of Scripture to most church leaders, that famous Matthew 18 section where we're given instructions on how to resolve conflict among believers. But right after that, Peter asks a very important question about forgiveness. It was a direct question, and it even had a hint in it of Peter's willingness to go the extra mile, at least as he understood it, to demonstrate God's grace and forgiveness, and patience, and peace toward others. Peter asked this provocative question, Lord, how many times could my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Now, I'm not exactly sure how Peter inflected the question, but I've inflected it to reveal just a little bit of pride, of haughtiness, of self-promotion in the question, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? As many as seven times? Meaning, Lord, I'll go the extra mile. I'll not forgive once or twice. I'll go up to seven times. Now, seven is an interesting number. It, it often communicates fullness or, or completeness like the seven days of creation, for example, or seven days of the week. Uh, since the Sabbath is every seventh day, seven is often also equated with worship or godliness, spiritual service or spiritual devotion. In fact, uh, rabbinic law required forgiveness only be granted three times. So in choosing the number seven, Peter is tapping into all of this supposed godliness in connecting his number to the days of the week, the rotation of Sabbath coming up periodically, the seven days of creation, and all of that. Peter's offer reflected a growing understanding of God's grace, of watching Jesus relate to people compassionately, of 
responding to people in need, and yes, even extending forgiveness to them. He probably considered his offer of forgiving seven times to be somewhat magnanimous in light of the rabbinic standard and in light of Jesus's example. But the Lord had a different perspective. He told Peter to forgive 70 times seven. Now, this is, in my view, hyperbole. It's Jesus saying, not seven times, but 70 times seven, meaning countless, boundless, endless, continuing, overarching, overwhelming forgiveness. That's what you have to be willing to extend to others. Now, one person actually tried to convince me that Jesus should be taken literally and that we are only supposed to forgive 490 times, no more. In other words, you actually keep score. And when you've reached 490 expressions of forgiveness toward a person for a particular issue, you can cut them off. No more forgiveness. Well, I think this whole idea of keeping score, totaling up to 490, coming to the end of the list, so to speak, I think all of that misses the point. Jesus multiplied Peter's generous offer to forgive seven times by saying 70 times seven times to demonstrate the extravagant nature of God's forgiveness. God forgives lavishly, and he expects us to extend forgiveness to others in similar ways. And then Jesus followed this startling statement about extravagant forgiveness with a parable that further proved his point. Now, you may remember the parable. It's the parable in which a king wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And so he called in a servant who owed him 10,000 talents. And the servant was unable to pay. So the king ordered that him and his family and all his possessions be sold to satisfy what he owed. So the servant begged, oh, give me more time, promising to pay off the debt in full. And you remember the parable. The king had compassion on him and forgave the debt. So then that servant went looking for people who owed him money. He found a fellow slave who owed him a hundred talents and demanded payment, grabbing and choking him in the process. And so when the second servant begged for additional time to repay the debt, the first servant refused and had him tossed into debtor's prison. Now the other servants saw what happened and they went and told the king, and the king was livid. He called in the first servant, rebuked him for his duplicity, and had him put in prison. Jesus concluded, So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. So, from Jesus' statement about forgiving seven times seventy, Followed by this parable of extravagant forgiveness, Jesus makes this principle clear. Extravagant forgiveness prompts extravagant forgiveness. Just as God has forgiven you, you must learn to forgive others. That is a profound and profoundly difficult truth to hear. God has forgiven you. 
and to that same extent, in the same way, to the same degree, you must learn to forgive others. Now, Jesus made a special effort to teach Peter this principle. Why? Because leaders. Leaders must learn to forgive others. In fact, I would say that the capacity to forgive is a survival skill that's necessary for leadership effectiveness. Now, later in their relationship, Peter would fail Jesus and personally experience the profound truth taught by this parable. Peter would need forgiveness, and Jesus would grant it. But even that part of the story reminds us that leaders also fail people who are close to them. They are hurt by those they serve, and they're sometimes unjustly wronged by others. So learning to forgive is essential for leaders and in every leadership situation and context. Now, having laid this rather extended foundation of the importance of forgiveness, how it was taught to Peter as an emerging leader in the context of these parables and this instruction, let's now talk about some specific ways that the power of forgiveness is essential for leaders today. First, you must, as a leader, you must grant forgiveness for wounds inflicted in your past. Failure to do this brings all of the baggage of the past into your leadership present and allows harm done to you in past relationships, in past contexts, in past ministry situations. Failure to Practice forgiveness for the wounds you've experienced in your past brings all of that past experience into the present and hampers your present leadership effectiveness. Now, leaders are not exempt from past pain. Some leaders, for example, have been victims of sexual sin. Leaders have been abused been victims of incest or date rape or some other kind of sexual sin inflicted on them. When leaders have unresolved pain from past sexual sin, they're going to carry that pain forward in present relationships. Other leaders have been scarred by absentee parents or by divorced parents things that happened to you in your childhood that your parents did to you. You can carry those forward, and they can poison your present leadership relationships. Some leaders have dealt with the opposite extreme, parents who placed unrealistic demands on them. You must make straight A's. You must be involved in every church activity. Uh, you must dress a certain way in every situation, present yourself in a certain light. This kind of unrealistic expectation also creates leadership pain in our present if we've not forgiven it in our past. Now, I focus so far on the personal aspects of events in your past as a leader that if not resolved through forgiveness, poison your leadership relationships in the present.
But there's another kind of past experiences that can really hamper you in your present leadership role. And that is some younger leaders particularly have emerged from dysfunctional churches where leaders abused their members and weren't held accountable for their actions. And perhaps as a younger leader, you may have been a member of a church like that. And so you're carrying with you wounds that were inflicted by spiritual or religious authorities in your life. These kind of painful experiences, when we carry them forward, can hamper us in our present leadership situation. So it's essential for you as a leader to learn to forgive others for what they've done to you in your past, whether it's a personal issue or whether it's a church-based or ministry-based issue. If you have experienced significant pain in your past from harm done to you by others, you must forgive. If not, those painful experiences of your past will rush into your present and emerge out of you in ways that may surprise you and be destructive to your leadership capacity. You know, I'll give you just one example of this. I once mentored a young guy who really struggled with responding positively to God's call to ministry leadership. He had obvious uh, gifts that could be useful in ministry. He had a deep and abiding passion for ministry leadership and for being involved in ministry activity. Uh, He was recognized by his peers and by people like me who were in a mentoring-type relationship that he had a call from God in his life to be in ministry leadership. And yet, he struggled. He was resistant. He was reluctant. He just couldn't say yes. And finally, one day in a, in a very significant conversation, I, I asked him if he could pinpoint the cause of his reluctance, and he finally came out with this story. When he was a child, his father had been a pastor, and his father had been significantly abused by a particular church to the point that it affected his spiritual, emotional, and even his physical health, and ultimately led to his forced termination from this congregation. And of course, that action threw the family into chaos financially, uh, it, it threw them into chaos in terms of where they were going to live. It, in many ways, was a defining, destructive event and moment in this young man's life. He saw that as a child. As he matured, Uh, into young adulthood, and God's call became evident in his life, he was unwilling to say yes because the pain of his past, the unresolved pain of his past, the unforgiveness he was harboring toward the people who'd harmed his father, his family, and in some ways him in his past were keeping him from going forward in ministry leadership. So I asked him that day, uh, where's your father today? He said, well, you know my father. He's a pastor. I said, yeah, I I know. And we just sat there for a minute letting him think about that conclusion. And then he said something like this to me. "I, I guess my dad moved on from that, didn't he? I said, yes, he did. And you need to do the same thing. Now, I'm happy to report that brother did grant forgiveness to the people who've harmed him in his past grant forgiveness to the people who'd harmed his father and his family in his past. 
and like his father, found the forgiveness necessary to free him up to move on in ministry leadership. When you have something in your past that's holding you back, you got to forgive, break loose from that, and move on. Well, another time that leaders have to practice forgiveness is in learning to forgive the difficult people they encounter in leadership roles. Now, I think I can safely say that when I was younger, I made more leadership mistakes than I'm making now that I'm older, but of course, I'm still making some, just like we all do. When I look back on my younger years and the mistakes I made, I see some of the responses that came to me from church members and from others. And quite frankly, there were times when those responses were, I'll say it this way, over the top. They were unfair and they were unrelenting and they were painful. Sometimes people said things to me, did things to me that were really hurtful, really hurtful. If you're a young leader or really a leader of any age, people are going to hurt you. It is an inevitable risk that you take when you assume a mantle of spiritual leadership. People are going to hurt you. They're going to disappoint you. They're going to promise you things they don't deliver. They're going to say things to you that are cutting and hard. They're going to make commitments to you that they, they don't follow through on. They're going to blame you for things that you really didn't do. People are going to hurt you. And the challenge is, how do you respond to these painful circumstances? Well, you could try to get even. I'll show these people. I'll, I'll do something to, to show them what this feels like. Uh, that's counterproductive. You could uh, try to ignore the situation and the pain you're feeling, and that's just denial. That won't work either. No, the only biblical, practical, workable solution to people who hurt you in ministry relationships is granting forgiveness. Now, that's difficult. I know it's hard. I know that doing this seems in some ways to absolve people of their responsibility for how they're relating to you as a ministry leader. It doesn't do that. What it does do is cuts off their control of you as they try to hurt you and hold on to you by the pain they're causing you in ministry leadership. A related subset of this is that leaders have to learn how to handle critics and deal with the inevitable criticism that comes our way in ministry leadership. Now, I know that some critics have to be confronted and some have to be ignored and some are right and you need to change at the point of criticism and some are wrong and they just need to be ignored. But no matter what category these critics fall into, the solution is forgiveness. So we've talked today on the podcast so far about some biblical instruction related to forgiveness for leaders, and we've talked about some of the different kinds of situations where leaders have to practice forgiveness in order to be liberated to really lead in the moment like we're supposed to do. But now I want to close out the podcast by talking about 
some of the specific ways that we have to work on forgiveness in order to make this real in our leadership relationships. The first thing I want to say is you have to forgive people whether they ask for it or not. Now, I know that in a perfect world, people come to us and ask us for forgiveness and resolve issues uh, in a very upfront way. But that's really not likely to happen in every case. In fact, I would say that some of the people who've hurt me the deepest over my lifetime have never come to me and asked for forgiveness. But I have to grant it anyway. I was talking with my wife, Ann, about this recently, and she reminded me that some of the people that leaders have to forgive are actually dead. They are never going to ask you for forgiveness. But you can still grant forgiveness to them and to the situation that gave you such pain, whether they ask for it or not. A second thing that I want to challenge you to do as a leader is learn to forgive more quickly. When you fail to forgive quickly, it allows a root of bitterness to be sown in your spirit. And the deeper it takes root, the greater the bitterness plant will flourish in your life. Learn to forgive quickly. I would say this has been one of the most significant growth points for me over the last few years, particularly in my years of serving here in a more public role at Gateway Seminary. I'm astounded sometimes at what people say to me uh, in email or what they'll say about me on social media. Uh, I'm uh, astounded at the way that I get labeled and the things that are uh, I'm accused of being a part of or of doing. And quite honestly, I'm just like everyone else. Those things hurt me and make me want to lash out, make me want to hold on to, make me want to simmer a bit over and then use in some kind of vengeful way. But God has been helping me to be a much quicker forgiver. To see the pain behind some of these attacks, to see the insecurities that's driving some of these people, to recognize the depth of need they have in their lives being revealed by the kind of things they say, speak, and write about others, and to be more quick to forgive and to simply move on. I know this is a difficult challenge, but I want to encourage you as a leader to learn to forgive more quickly so that this root of bitterness is not sown in your life and this plant of bitterness doesn't flourish as it grows up within you. Here's a third idea. You must forgive repeatedly. Remember, 70 times 7, forgiving repeatedly. It's so hard when someone has done something to you once or twice or three times to keep on forgiving them, but you have to do it. It's also hard when someone, for example, in your past has wounded you deeply. Maybe that person has died and left that wound festering in your life, and you grant forgiveness, but then another week goes by and it starts to rise up within you again, and you have to grant forgiveness again, and then another week goes by and you have to grant forgiveness again. You know, I've been through this process with some situations in my life, and let me assure you that as you practice repeatedly forgiving someone for something and repeatedly apply the balm of forgiveness on this festering wound in your life, it really does get better over time so that finally you'll be able to say, 
that issue is forgiven and largely forgotten as I've moved on in my life. Another aspect of forgiveness for leaders is we have to learn to forgive and give up all thoughts of revenge. Man, it's so easy to try to get even, isn't it? To lash back on social media, to post something on Facebook, to get up in a sermon and make a remark about some person or some uh, issue. It's so tempting to lash back, to say, okay, I'll forgive you, but I also want to get even. What I'm challenging you today as a leader is to move beyond that, to recognize that forgiveness implies no revenge and that you're going to move on from that. You're going to move on from that and that you're going to experience a liberation from not only the event that's happened that's caused you so much pain, but also from the revenge that you've been plotting as you think about getting even. So here are some things to remember as a leader, as you're practicing forgiveness, you give forgiveness whether people ask for it or not. You give it quickly to avoid that root of bitterness growing up in your life. You forgive repeatedly over and over and over until the soothing balm of forgiveness soothes away the pain. And finally, you forgive without holding on to any thoughts of revenge. Moving on from the thing, from feeling like you have to get even when people hurt you. Well, all of this on the podcast rests on a reality that we might want to visit here just for a moment before we go. All of this forgiving others rests on a basic reality that you have been forgiven by God, that you really have accepted his forgiveness. Now, sometimes leaders like other believers struggle in accepting God's forgiveness for their past sins. You you may have rebellion or moral failure or an ethical lapse in your background, and, and you're carrying the guilt of your sin, and, and that guilt distorts your view of yourself and your leadership potential. Listen, you don't have to live that way. If you have asked God to forgive your past sins, he has forgiven you. Accept that precious reality. God has forgiven you. Live released from past guilt and present condemnation. Remember, the Bible says, there is therefore now a little bit of condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. That is not what it says. Remember, there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus. Look, you can be forgiven. You can have anything you've ever done brought under forgiveness. You may never forget what you've done, but you must learn to remember it as forgiven. You know, unforgiven sin in your life or unforgiveness toward others in your past is like a caged lion. Given an opportunity, it will escape and destroy everything it can reach. But a forgiven sin whether it's your sin that's been forgiven or forgiveness you've granted toward others is like a toothless lion. Yeah, it's still alive, but it's lost the capacity to take a bite out of you every time you remember it. God will forgive any sin in your past. 
Come before God and be cleansed of anything that you need to confess to Him. And then, once you've received that forgiveness, grant the same to others. Grant this forgiveness so that you can be set free from painful experiences in your past that are poisoning your leadership present. When you do this, you will find a freedom to minister and lead devoid of entangling attachments to past painful moments and focus instead on the present and the future and how God can use you. Forgiveness for leaders. It's a discipline we must practice as we lead on.